inhabitants of this city are reduced to the state you see them in, and why I alone am safe in the midst of such a terrible disaster. I told him in a few words whence I had come, what had made me undertake the voyage, and how I safely arrived at the port after twenty days' sailing. When I had done, I prayed him to perform his promise, and told him how much I was struck by the frightful desolation which I had seen in the city. Lady, said the young man, have patience for a moment. At these words he shut the Koran, put it in a rich case, and laid it in the niche. I took the opportunity to observe him, and perceiving in him so much good nature and beauty, I felt emotions I had never known before. He made me sit down by him, and before he began his discourse, I could not forbear saying, with an air that discovered the sentiments I have felt, Admirable sir, dear object of my soul, I can scarcely have patience to wait for an account of all these wonderful objects that I have seen since I came into your city, and my curiosity cannot be satisfied too soon. Therefore pray, sir, let me know by what miracle you alone are left alive among so many persons who have died in so strange a manner. Madam, said the young man, by the prayer you just now addressed to him, you have given me to understand that you have a knowledge of the true God. I will acquaint you with the most remarkable effect of his greatness and power. You must know that this city was the metropolis of a mighty kingdom, over which the sultan, my father, reigned. That prince, his whole court, the inhabitants of the city, and all his other subjects, were magi, worshippers of fire, and of Nardun, the ancient king of the giants who rebelled against God. But though I was born of an idolatrous father and mother, I had the good fortune in my youth to have a governess who was a good Muslim. Dear prince, would she oft-times say, there is but one true God. Take heed that you do not acknowledge and adore any other. She taught me to read Arabic, and the book she gave me to study was the Koran. As soon as I was capable of understanding it, she explained to me all the passages of this excellent book, and infused piety into my mind, unknown to my father or any other person. She happened to die, but not before she had perfectly instructed me in all that was necessary to convince me of the truth of the Muslim religion. After her death, I persisted with constancy in the belief of its divinity, and I abhor the false god Nardun, and the adoration of fire. About three years and some months ago, a thundering voice was suddenly sounded so distinctly through the whole city that nobody could miss hearing it. The words were these, Inhabitants, abandon the worship of Nardun and of fire, and worship the only God who shows mercy. This voice was heard three years successively, but no one was converted. On the last day of that year, at four o'clock in the morning, all the inhabitants were changed in an instant into stone, everyone in the condition and posture they happened to be in. The sultan, my father, shared the same fate, for he was metamorphosed into a black stone, as he is to be seen in this palace, and the queen, my mother, had the like destiny. I am the only person who did not suffer under that heavy judgment. 
and ever since I have continued to serve God with more fervency than before. I am persuaded, dear lady, that he has sent you hither for my comfort, for which I render him infinite thanks. For I must own that this solitary life is extremely irksome. All these expressions, and particularly the last, greatly increased my love for him. Prince, said I, there is no doubt but Providence has brought me into your port, to afford you an opportunity to withdraw from this dismal place. The ship I came in may serve in some measure to convince you that I am in some esteem in Baghdad, where I have considerable property, and I dare engage to promise you sanctuary there, until the mighty commander of the faithful, vice-regent to our prophet, whom you acknowledge, show you the honour that is due to your merit. This renowned prince lives at Baghdad, and as soon as he is informed of your arrival in his capital, you will find that it is not in vain to implore his assistance. It is impossible you can stay any longer in a city where all the objects you must behold renew your grief. My vessel is at your service, where you may absolutely command as you see fit. He accepted the offer, and we conversed the remainder of the night concerning our embarkation. As soon as it was day, we left the palace. We went aboard my ship, where we found my sisters, the captains, and the slaves, all much troubled by my absence. After I had presented my sisters to the prince, I told them what had hindered my return the day before, how I had met with the young prince, his story, and the cause of the desolation of so fine a city. The seamen were taken up several days in unlading the merchandise I had brought with me, and embarking in its stead all the precious things in the palace, such as jewels, gold, and money. We left the furniture and goods, which consisted of an infinite quantity of plate, etc., because our vessel would not carry it, for it would have required several vessels more to convey to Baghdad all the riches that we might have chosen to take with us. After we had laden the vessel with what we thought most desirable, we took such provisions and water aboard as were necessary for our voyage, for we still had a great deal of those provisions left that we had taken in at Basra. At last we set sail with a wind as favorable as we could wish. The young prince, my sisters, and myself enjoyed ourselves for some time very agreeably, but alas! This good understanding did not last long, for my sisters grew jealous of the friendship between the prince and myself, and maliciously asked me one day what we should do with him when we came to Baghdad. I perceived immediately that they put this question on purpose to discover my inclinations. Therefore, resolving to put it off with a jest, I answered, I will take him for my husband, and upon that, turning myself to the prince, said, Sir, I humbly beg of you to give your consent, for as soon as we come to Baghdad, I desire to offer you my person to be your slave, to do all the service that is in my power, and to resign myself wholly to your commands. The prince replied, I know not, madam, whether you be in jest or no, but for my part, I seriously declare before these ladies, your sisters, that from this moment I heartily accept your offer not with any intention to have you as my slave, but as my lady and mistress. Nor will I pretend to have any power over your actions, 
At these words my sisters changed colour, and I could perceive afterwards that they did not love me as before. We entered the Persian Gulf, and had come within a short distance of Basra, where I hoped, considering the fair wind, we might have arrived the day following. When in the night, while I was asleep, my sisters watched their opportunity, and threw me overboard. They did the same to the prince, who was drowned. I floated some minutes on the water, and by good fortune, or rather miracle, I felt ground. I went towards a dark spot, that, by what I could discern, seemed to be land, and proved to be a flat on the coast, which, when day appeared, I found to be a desert island, lying about twenty miles from Basra. I soon dried my clothes in the sun, and as I walked along I found several kinds of fruit, and likewise fresh water, which gave me some hopes of preserving my life. I had just laid myself down to rest in the shade, when I perceived a very large winged serpent coming towards me, with an irregular waving motion, and hanging out its tongue, which induced me to conclude it had received some injury. I instantly arose, and perceived that it was pursued by a larger serpent, which had hold of its tail, and was endeavouring to devour it. This perilous situation of the first serpent excited my pity, and instead of retreating, I assumed courage to take up a stone that lay near me, and throw it with all my strength at the other, which I hit upon the head and killed. The other, finding itself at liberty, took wing and flew away. I looked after it for some time till it disappeared. I then sought another shady spot for repose and fell asleep. Judge what was my surprise when I awoke, to see, standing by me, a black woman of lively and agreeable features, who held in her hand two bitches of the same color, fastened together. I sat up, and asked her who she was. I am, said she, the serpent who you lately delivered from my mortal enemy. I did not know in what better way I could requite the important services you have rendered me than by what I have just done. The treachery of your sisters was well known to me, and to avenge your wrongs, as soon as I was liberated by your generous assistance, I called together several of my companions, fairies like myself, conveyed into your storehouses at Baghdad all the lading of your vessel, and afterwards sunk it. These two black bitches are your sisters, whom I have transformed into this shape. But this punishment will not suffice, and my will is that you treat them hereafter in the way I shall desirest. As soon as she had spoken, the fairy took me under one of her arms, and the two bitches under the other, and conveyed us to my house in Baghdad, where I found in my storehouses all the riches with which my vessel had been laded. Before she left me, she delivered to me the two bitches, and said, If you would not be changed into a similar form, I command you, in the name of him that governs the sea, to give each of your sisters every night one hundred lashes with a rod, as punishment of the crime they have committed against yourself and the young prince whom they have drowned. I was forced to promise obedience. Since that time, I have whipped them every night, though with regret, whereof your majesty has been a witness. My tears testify with how much sorrow and reluctance I perform my painful duty, and in this your majesty may see 
I am more to be pitied than blamed. If there be anything else relating to myself that you desirous to know, my sister Amene will give you full information in the relation of her story. After the caliph had heard Zubaydah, with much astonishment, he desired his grand vizier to request Amene to acquaint him wherefore her breast was disfigured with so many scars. Amene addressed herself to the caliph, and began her story after this manner. End of section 17